National Health Service on one of their main websites. They provide guidelines for those who suffer from motion sickness, uh, for those who get ill when they travel. So the NHS recommends that if that's you, let me get this right, one, you should try and get a good night's sleep before you travel. Apparently that's crucial. Second thing you should do is when you go to travel, you should choose your seat wisely. But the main thing they advise is that as you travel, what you should do is you should keep your eyes fixed to a point on your horizon. So if you do that, if you sort of pick a point out and keep your eyes fixed upon that, then your brain apparently is able to make a little bit more sense of the movement of the vehicle you're in and you won't get into trouble. Now, in a spiritual sense, that's what you and I are called to do. Like as Christians we know that there is a point on our horizon, isn't there? There is a point in which, the point that we are traveling towards when the world that we know it is going to be radically and totally changed and the Son of Man is going to return in glory. And what we are called to do in the meantime is keep our heart, our eyes fixed upon that moment. Do you see it? Let me read to you what Peter says. Peter says this. He says, We are, you and I as Christians, are to set our hope on what? We are to set our hope fully on the grace that will be brought to us when? At the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. So for your spiritual health, for my spiritual health, what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to set our gaze on the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, tonight, I'm calling that we do that. Like, friends, as a congregation, London City Presbyterian Church, let us refocus on that moment. Because what we've got tonight in Zechariah chapter 14 is an abundance of teaching here on what that day will be like. You know, what it will mean for us, what it will be like when the Lord returns in glory. And hopefully, what we're going to see tonight is that when Christ returns, there will be a new world order. Christ is going to come back. He is going to return. And he is going to turn our world upside down. So friends, let's think about that together. Let's see what God has to say to us in these verses. But first, let us pray. Let's pray. Lord, we realize this evening that we are treading on holy ground. As we approach you, as we seek to listen to you, but as we seek to consider the very fact that the Lord Jesus Christ will return. And Lord, we long for that day, but we ask, Lord, that you would reveal more of that day to us tonight in worship. Lord, your people here, we are eager to hear your voice. Lord, would you speak, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, come on, let's uh, turn 
uh, back to Zechariah chapter 14 together. First of all, let's think about the fact that there will be, on that day, a new order for the people of God. So there's going to be a new order for the people of God. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you would agree with me. Um, even as Gabriel read that out, we see that the chapter begins in the darkest of ways. Doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's, in some ways it's horrific. And Ze- Zechariah here, he speaks of a time, doesn't he, where the people of God are going to be devastated by an attack on them by their enemies. Do you see that? It's a time when, and let's get it right, it's a time when all the nations of the world are going to rise up against a Jerusalem here. And do you see why they rise up to abuse her, to violate her, and uh, to plunder the city? Now, it's horrible. But what, but what does it mean? Well, what we've seen earlier in uh, the sermon series is that we can sort of legitimately equate these prophecies with our situation. That in so many ways that we as Christians are what? What we say, we are the Israel of God. We are the city of Jerusalem. So given that, do you see what's being said here? Do you see what's being spoken of? This is a prophecy of the time when there will be persecution of the church in advance of the coming of the Lord. Do you see that? Like he's speaking here of, the, of a persecution of Christian believers in the time before the Lord Jesus will appear. Now, here's my question. I just want to throw it at you right at the beginning here. Are we prepared for that? Are we? I mean, is it not the case that the church in this country, we are very weak and sort of flimsy and kind of feeble when it comes to talking about sort of opposition to Christianity? Are we a bit weak with this stuff? You see what I mean? Like what happened this week in the news? Have you been following it? What happened? Uh, cinemas ban the Lord's Prayer. Right? Cinemas ban the Lord's Prayer. What happens? Uh, the Christian church in this country just screams out in horror at this. And, you know, we are now a persecuted minority because of this. Now, of course, you know, the banning of the Lord's Prayer it may indeed be a terrible thing. Right? Let me tell you what it isn't. It isn't persecution. Is it? I mean, it isn't the, the, uh, the horrors, the theft, the murder, the rape that is spoken of here. Things that Christians in other countries really do have to, to face and go through. But we, we have to be aware that that sort of thing might come here. That these things might come in advance of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And are we preparing ourselves for these sorts of things? Are we spiritually seeking to be fortified? Does that sort of idea, the the heightened persecution of the church in advance of the coming of Christ, does it drive you to pray? Does it drive you to your knees before God? So the first thing we see here is that it's a pretty dark 
start to the chapter. Do you know what? Thankfully, that's not really the focus. <laughs> the emphasis of the text here is not on the devastation of the church. It is on the deliverance of the church. What do um, I mean by that? Well, we know, don't we, that um, Hollywood has really tried to, Hollywood always tries to sort of airbrush and alter uh, historical events, doesn't it? You can't really sort of sell film unless you sort of alter history a little bit. And that's certainly the case when it comes to World War II, isn't it? Like if you are a sort of Hollywood film producer, what happened to World War II? Well, if you're a film producer, what happened was that the Allies were on the verge of total destruction and annihilation by the Nazis. I mean, it was just, uh, there was a lost cause. And then what happened? The USA appears on the scene. (laughs) And the USA changes everything. And suddenly uh, their fortunes, the Allies' fortunes are reversed. That's certainly history if you are a Hollywood film producer. But that is also what we have to consider here in Zechariah 14. Do you see what happens here? Like just as the people of God here are on the point of annihilation, just as they are about to be totally destroyed, what happens? Do you see it? The Lord God of heaven and earth, he then appears just at that moment. And what does he do? Do you see it? He fights on behalf of Jerusalem. And that's epic, isn't it? I mean, so tremendous is this final battle that we read here that the sort of tectonic plates, they shift. And the Mount of Olives, it splits in two, doesn't it? And it reveals this escape route for the children of God. Now, it's awesome. It's epic stuff. And I want you to see what it means, this victory, what it means for you, for the people of God. Would you do this with me? Would you look at verse 10? Jump right the way to verse 10. We are told that in the wake of this victory, something happens to the land. Like the, the land, the rest of the land, it says, becomes like the Arabah. So, do you see what that means? There's this incredible battle. And the land becomes like a desert. It becomes like a wasteland here. But wait a minute. Do you see what happens to Jerusalem? So everywhere else is flattened, but Jerusalem, it is raised up. Isn't it everywhere else wrecked? Everywhere else completely wasted. It's flattened. But Jerusalem is elevated and it is held high. Friends, do you see what's being said? On the day of the Lord's return, there will be an almighty reversal of fortune for the people of God. Isn't that right? The people of God... They go from being, what is it, persecuted, but they go to what? They go to being admired. They go from being set upon to being esteemed. Friends, do you see how that should encourage us in here this evening? Do you see it? You know, there is a day coming when, see all of this enmity that we face as believers in London, and all of the, do you know what, the sheer disinterest And all of the abuse you might face for your faith, there's a day coming when that will end. 
More than that, though, there's a day coming where that enmity and animosity flicked on its head. And it will be replaced by honor. It'll be replaced by privilege. Do you see that? That Christ shall return. And on that day, you as a Christian will go from ignominy to immortality, won't you? Like you will go from the gutter to glory. You will go from from being ridiculed to go and experience the riches of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see it? That the first will be last and the last will be first and the meek will inherit the earth. It's going to happen. Friends, doesn't that fill us with an excitement about the gospel and what is ahead of us? Doesn't it embolden us just now for our Christian walk? Do you see what's coming to you? Christ is coming. And he will fight on our behalf. What will he do? He shall win the war. And he will turn our world upside down. So we see a new order here for the people of God. Second thing to consider here is we also see a new order for the cosmos. A new order for the cosmos. Um, do you remember the name Swampy? Does anybody remember the name Swampy? Uh, Swampy <laughs> was an eco-warrior, I think. An environmentalist that uh, hit the headlines. I don't, what was it, mid-90s maybe? Uh, he became a bit of a sort of minor celebrity in this country, did Swampy. And he hit the headlines because he and his friends were arrested. Uh, They were campaigning against a road extension, I think it was, in Devon. And, uh, yeah, he was arrested and, yeah, you can imagine the rest of it. But they were arrested because they were trying uh, to get public's attention. They were trying to get the public, the general public in this country, to ask, see this road extension... What will it mean for the land? Like, what will this road extension, what will it mean for the earth? And you see that question there? That's not a bad question for us to consider when we are thinking about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, is it? Christ is coming back. What will that mean for this earth? Like, we know... We have vague ideas, certainly, that Christ shall return. And what will happen? There will be a new heaven and a new earth. What does that mean, though? What does it mean? And I, I know it's Sunday night, and I know most of us have had a big lunch and we're tired, but if you're a Christian in here, aren't you the littlest bit interested? You are going to live there forevermore. <laughs> For eternity, you will be there. What will it be like? Well, here in Zechariah, we see a few things. God teaches us a few things about that coming home. So let's look at this. A few things. First of all, think through this with me, that there will be in that place a change in illumination. 
A change in illumination. What does that mean? Well, look at verse 6 here. It's one of those verses that, I was going to say it's a, 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 it is, it's a difficult little verse, verse 6. It's one of those ones that has commentators kind of tied up in knots. Just have a look at verse 6 with me. So what's the NIV has? have? It says, on that day, there's not going to be any light or cold or frost. I'm not quite sure how they arrive at that. The idea is much more that on that day, the day of Christ's return, the heavenly lights will be darkened. That's the idea. You know, Christ shall return and the lights go out. You know what Matthew says, don't you? On that day, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. What does that mean? Does that mean we're sort of ushered into our new home in darkness? Is that what it means? Friends, no, would you listen to this? This is Revelation 21, 23. What a verse. Listen to your future if you're a Christian. And this city, this is your home. Your home. And this city has no need of sun. And it has no need of moon to shine on it. And we're asking, why is that? Listen. For the glory of God shall give its light. And its lamp shall be the Lamb. Isn't that that wonderful? Isn't that lovely? Christ shall return. And what shall he do? He shall usher you into your new home. And what will be that? What will that be like? We will be so close to our God that our very environment, it shall be illuminated. How? By his own glory. There will be a change to illumination. Okay, and another thing we see here, though, is that there will be a change in time. So a change in illumination, but a change in time. So again, I would ask you to do this with me. If you've got your Bible open, look at verse 7. I I thought when I I was uh, reading at the beginning of the week, I thought this was stating the obvious. Because we are told that the return of the Lord will be a unique day. I was reading that thing, no kidding, you know? The skies open and our Lord returns. But what we have to do, we have to get to grips with the meaning of that word, the word unique there. Because what it's actually saying is that at this point there will then be one day. That there will then be a singular day. So do you see the idea? The return of Jesus will usher in a new way of us measuring time. In fact, no, change that. Christ shall return and he shall do away with the idea of measuring time. That the sun will have gone, the moon gone. There will be light, it says, in the evening, doesn't it? Gone is the traditional idea that we have of a day or a week or a month or a year. Do you see this? There will be a change in our very existence. There will be a change, get this, to one day. One perfect day. 
One worship-filled and glorious day. A day entirely spent with Jesus. And isn't that a thought? Because do you see what it means? Do you? It means that there will be no longer any sleepless nights. We will never again wrestle with the horrors of of darkness. It means that God's glory will always shine on us. (laughs) That we will be taken into the new heaven and new earth and you and I will forever bask in the light, the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's going to be a change in illumination, but there is going to be a change in time. And then the third one, look at this. There will be also a change in prosperity here. I am. Um, I was speaking to Rodney uh, this morning. I'm sure you, most of you know who Rodney is. Rodney comes to our morning services, and the boys are like this. So I was speaking to this boy, Rodney, and Rodney said that last week that he was in Jerusalem. And I was very impressed with this, and I thought, this is great. You know, Rodney showing real spiritual enthusiasm, you know. And he's saying, yeah, I was in Jerusalem. And I said, oh, that's fantastic. You know, were you going around the biblical sites and all the famous sites? And he said, oh, no, Chelsea were playing. <laughs> and I was over there for the football. Um, so, yes. <laughs> I've never been to Jerusalem love to go to Jerusalem. Historically, uh, the city of Jerusalem was supplied by a spring, a water spring, I think called the Gihon Spring. Now, this was just a, 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 almost a trickle, you know? It was a stream, and it was never really historically sufficient for the needs of the city of Jerusalem. Right? You with me? Now, what we read here is that Christ returns, that changes. Would you look at verse 8? See what it says. Waters on that day will burst forth from Jerusalem. That A river is going to flow. And it's going to flow continuously. And it's going to flow to the east and it's going to flow to the west. Think about Jerusalem in the Middle East and Isn't that a lovely image, isn't it? Isn't that a lovely picture? And isn't it all the more marvelous when we think about the current situation of creation? Like, what does Paul tell us in Romans 8? Creation's in bondage. The creation is just longing to be free. And here what we see is what that freedom will mean. Do you see it? Christ shall return and he will inaugurate a new time of fruitfulness for the earth. There will be a new prosperity for the earth. You see what that means for us? We will go to be in a place of immense vegetation. You know, a, a place of unimaginably vibrant color. A place of beautiful trees and beautiful plants and beautiful birds and beautiful animals and You see it? There will be this new fruitfulness, new prosperity. Why? 
Listen to this, Revelation 22. Why will there be this fruitfulness? <laughs> the river of the water of life, it will flow from the throne of our God. And where will it flow? It will flow down the middle of the great street of Jerusalem. Isn't that awesome? There is coming a new age of prosperity for our earth. Wait a minute, though. Do this with me. Look at verse 8 and look at the exact language. Is this a river? Is it just a water? Is it just a river? No. Do you see it? There will be living water. Now, wait a minute. Like what, what, do we do, what do we know about that? That idea of living water in Scripture. If I was to ask you, where would you go in the Bible with that? Would you not go to John 4, perhaps? Do you remember the woman at the well? Do you remember the Samaritan woman? Remember what Jesus says to her? He goes to her and he says, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew who, who it was that was asking you for a drink, then you would ask and I would give you what? I would give you living water. Do you see the point? This here, Zechariah chapter 14, it's an agricultural image. It is. It's more than that, though. It is a spiritual image. Do you see what's being said? Our Lord will one day come. He will usher us into our new home. And you will be continually watered by your God. Do you see it? That heaven is a place of us being eternally forevermore refreshed and renewed and energized and enthused by God. Yeah, the earth will be made new. Yes, the earth will be watered, but so will the children of God. Such is the glory, such is the wonder of this. The new order for the cosmos. And then the last thing, last thing, We've seen what? We've seen a new order for the people of God. You know, we might be down and dejected and set upon. Not always. Second thing, we've seen that there will be a new order for the cosmos. Things will change. The last point, we see a new order of worship. I, uh, I, I think there is in the church just now uh, an elephant in the room amongst us. In the aftermath of what happened in Paris and sort of goings on in Belgium and maybe especially this week we talk about waging war, going to war and starting a bombing campaign, I think there is an unspoken anxiety that a lot of us face. That we kind of... We're asking the question, well, will London be next? You know, that we live an uncertain city, and and maybe we are asking, well, see this new... this new way of things where... Western European cities are living in fear. Is that the way it's going to be from now on? 
Like, is, is it going to get worse than it is just now? And is it always going to be like that? And I tell you, I think this is answered in Zechariah 14. But hang on a second. Like you, you, you see, do you, where this uh, section of Scripture sits in the book of Zechariah? Do you? Now, it's pretty obvious if I was to say it is the last chapter in Zechariah. Everyone knows that, but that's not what I mean. It's the pinnacle of Zechariah. You need to appreciate that. You need to see that this is the apex of Zechariah. Like, see all this momentum and all these dreams and visions. All has been building up to this, the return of the Lord. And all of the threads and themes of Zechariah, they are interwoven in this last chapter. Now, do you see what that means? It means when we get to the theological heart of this section... We are also at the theological heart of the whole of the prophecy and the whole of the book of Zechariah. And that theological heart is in verse 9. So would you look at that? Let me read it to you. This is the beaten heart, the theological core, the whole 14 chapters. Listen. On that day, the Lord will be He will be king over the whole earth. On that day there will be one Lord. And his name, the only name. Do you see what's being said? Ahead of us is a time where our Savior returns. He fights for us. He will renew the cosmos. But he will be crowned king. You see it? That day, the second coming, the parousia, there will be an enthronement ceremony on that day. And maybe you say, but isn't there a sense in which Jesus is already king? And he is. He is the Son of God. He is the Lord of glory. But what we're seeing here is that one day there will be a new and better and bigger realization of his kingship. Because look at the verse. Look at the words of the verse. On that day... He will be king over the whole earth. Do you see what that means? Just now, who is it that recognizes Jesus' kingship? It's you and it's me. One day, one day, every eye will see and every single knee shall bow. Just now, what happens? Who is it that worships Jesus? It's you and I and his people. One day, get this. Every single soul who has ever walked this earth, every person who has ever had breath in their lungs, they will all gather before his throne. They will all recognize his kingship. And they will all, everyone, they will worship him as Lord. I don't know about you, but I am desperate for that day to come. But I want you to see as we close what that day means for you. See, what what is it this king will do? Do you see it? It says that he will on that day take his people and he will put them in Jerusalem. He will take you and he will put you in his capital city. What does that mean for you? Do you see what it means? Look at verse 11. Do you see the word, the one word? 
He says, then and there, never again will Jerusalem be, dis- be destroyed. Do you see the word? Jerusalem will be secure. And do we need to hear that? Don't we? In light of Paris? In light of Brussels? In light of a bombing campaign? In light of an uncertain future? Don't we need to hear that we will be safe one day? We will be secure that our King will take His beloved family and He will place us to be with Him in His home in His capital city. Friends, I hope and I pray that tonight God has shown you something of what lies ahead of you. I hope you see it. I hope you see that one day the Lord Jesus Christ will return and return in glory. I hope you see that. See this stuff tonight, what, what I'm preaching on here. Do you know what? It isn't a story. Like it isn't make-believe. It isn't fable. It's not. It's true. That Christ Jesus will return. The Son of Man will come in the clouds. He shall return to this earth. Surely in light of that, surely we, the people of God, we pray the same prayer that ends Holy Scripture. Don't we? Don't we tonight in our hearts, don't we pray, Maranatha, Lord. Amen, Lord. Come and come quickly. Let's pray.